0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number
1: two. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Um, it's it's brisk out. It's fresh. But at least you have the warmth of a Flame 6-3 win last night. In Tempe over the Coyotes. Big, big two points. Down 3-1. Fight back to a big 6-3 win. Season high in shots. Season low in shots allowed. Three power play goals. Great. The only thing maybe missing from that win last night was Jonathan Huberto scoring. And of course, he got
0: stopped on that on breakaway, breakaway in the last. He wanted it to. Minute <laughs> of the game. Oh, tell of me, course
1: he did. Tell me when a guy is trying to score on a breakaway in the dying seconds, up six three. You don't want, especially in beer league. You don't want to slash his wrist and break his wrist while he's on a breakaway.
0: Yeah, you don't want to, but at you, the same time, well, no,
1: you want to because it's like you're up six three. Come on, man. And I know it's pro hockey and it's different. But Huberto really wanted to score that breakaway goal last night.
0: He really wanted to score on the power play. He had the the loudest F-bomb we might have heard on a broadcast all season long. It was really loud. Yeah, it was (laughs) pretty good. Uh, Also taking your text at
1: 960-960, talked about this earlier. Uh, The Taste of the Masters hosting kit is available to U.S. residents, unfortunately, for $175. We're asking you, uh, what would be the Taste of the Flames hosting kit? Nine sixty nine sixty name and location. What would be included if you're hosting a Flames game night that you could get potentially from the team that would be very Calgary Flames? Uh, Sam Cosentino, Sportsnet uh, and draft analyst will join us at the bottom of the hour. But right now, our man Frank Cervalli from NHL Daily Face Off brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit southtrailchrysler.com. Frank, good morning. How are you?
2: what is going on
1: um frank how like uh i don't know if you saw this taste of the masters hosting kit that's available you're american you can get this 175 bucks um how well does egg salad travel like if uh, you get a chip to you
2: i wouldn't eat eat egg salad if you made it fresh in front of me
1: okay have you been i'm you? just
2: I, I don't like this is one of the weird quirks about me i don't like eggs at all don't like it on a breakfast sandwich scrambled mm. Any which way, it's been a phobia of mine since I was a kid, and I just can't get past it. What don't like the taste? Frank, don't like the texture. Mm-hmm. Nothing.
1: Frank, just just lie down on the couch. What egg hurt you when you were young?
2: <laughs> well, honestly, it wasn't what hurt me. I just I have a vivid memory. You know, playing like um, I, for us, it's might hockey, whatever you'd call it, novice or Adam and there was a kid next to me on the bench one game that just leaned over and just puked eggs everywhere. Oh. And since, since then, I just couldn't ever get past it.
1: <laughs> but, but Frank, what about in the Mighty Ducks when they used to pass the eggs around to have the soft hands so it wouldn't break?
2: Yeah, I mean, I could live with that. I just okay. wouldn't want to eat one.
1: Okay, all right. Have you been in the back? I know, it's
2: weird. I, I, feel, I feel strange. No, sharing one of my quirks. I
0: I like it. My it's like is, Louis
2: C.K. Like the, when everyone well, knows your thing, it's weird.
0: Like, what's your go-to breakfast then? Like, how do you <laughs> yeah. have breakfast without eggs?
2: So I get a breakfast sandwich, and I'll uh, I'll just do like meat and cheese, like bacon and cheese on a bagel, or sausage and cheese on a bagel, but no egg.
0: Mm.
1: Okay, so it's more of like a lunch sandwich because the egg not, makes it pretty really, much. Not a... really, because you
2: have breakfast meat.
0: Okay, all right. I like is, that. Is bacon a breakfast meat? Is it strictly a breakfast meat? I feel like bacon's versatile. It is.
2: It is? Well, you can use it on everything.
1: Hmm. Um, have you been in the Masters or no?
2: No, it's on the bucket list. Yeah. Are you? Uh, we've talked about That'd golf. Be a pretty, I'm a golf nerd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you want to hear an amazing flex?
1: Yeah. So uh, I'd love to. Because you I had, you went to the Super Bowl, so I've assumed you've been in the Masters. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah,
2: no. It's, I know. It's very unlike me to do something like the Super Bowl, actually. Um So I did my podcast the other day with Hurricane's owner, Tom Dundon. Yeah. And if you see the clip, it's on my Twitter feed somewhere. Uh, I'm wearing a Travis Matthew zip up because I know Tom Dundon is super casual. Yeah. And uh, before we do the interview, he's like, oh, great shirt. I was like, yeah, a bit of a golf nerd, like love Travis Matthew. And then he like points to his hat. I looked up after the fact he owns the company. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I was like, What? Uh nice. so I, I wasn't picking up what he was putting down. But yeah. He was like it was basically him his way of being like, Yeah, I own that.
1: Yeah, but but also at the same time, did you feel like uh maybe he thought I was maybe pandering about yeah. Like, yeah. Well, that's the
2: thing I wasn't, I just I, know. Like, I, know. Like, yeah. I had no idea until after the fact and just like that's in my normal rotation <laughs> yeah. of shirts to wear. Like especially when I'm doing something on camera. Cause we're casual here at Daily Face Off. Yeah. And uh it was like Wow! What an ultimate
1: flex. Yeah, I, I own that. Yeah, of course. Um, real one <laughs> He's more. A
2: great brand. Like, yeah. yeah uh, one is. more.
1: One more quick golf thing. Does anyone dress more like a dad than Jordan Spieth?
2: Mm, I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. I mean... You're just waiting for him to rock the like the white New Balance sneakers at some. Oh point.
1: yeah, for sure. Like he's like, what do I go with today? All right, navy blue and gray it is again for the fifteen. <laughs> the run, Air run. Monarchs. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fifty four ninety nine at TJ Maxx. There you go. <laughs> I think you have to be at least fifty years old to wear an Air Monarch. I think that's it's all right. I look fifty. That's what everyone says. No, so no you're you're whatever. a handsome man. Mm. Um, Flames the big six three win last night. I was talking to Maddie about this. Frank, I don't it's know the most maybe...
2: Calgary Flames game of the year.
1: <laughs> yeah, like no, but that too. But to me, they looked really fast last night, and I don't think we can say that about this team for the majority of the season.
2: Well, they, I think they do have a somewhat quick team. They just haven't put it all together, um, and maybe part of that is the opponent. Um, I, I'd imagine at a certain point for a team that's really exceeded expectations, especially this last month that the Arizona Coyotes are probably pretty worn down. Um, So, you know, it's amazing the way this season, you have a game like last night and started rough, but the, you know, the, the offense and, and and production and zone time and all those things, you know, they're there and they, they end up coming through just it's, it's been a roller coaster all year. That game last night encapsulated the entire season.
0: Now as we get closer and closer to the deadline, they'll have a game like this, they'll have, you know, a a game like they had against the Flyers as well. It's been a little bit of up and down, I guess. How much do you think this next week could mean for the Flames, whether it's good results or bad results?
2: I personally I don't put a lot of stock in it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the Calgary Flames and GM Brad Tree Living are sitting there saying, you know, we gotta let's see how these next handful of games go, three games before we make a decision. By now, the sample size is so much larger. You know what this team is, and and I think more importantly, what they aren't. And I don't think anyone looks at this team right now and says that they're an authentic Stanley Cup contender. Having said that, the Pacific Division, if you end up on that side of the bracket, Mm. is pretty wide open. And a lot of people have viewed the Flames as a team that, if they could get in, might be a really tough out. I don't know if I buy that because it's going to depend on goaltending. And if you're not getting it, I don't care who you are. If your save percentage is in the eights or starts with an eight, you've got no chance. And Jacob Markstrom has been really consistent this year in the eights. And I think that's been such a huge part of this season. I think it's their whole storyline. If if you take Markstrom and you improve his game and put him, not even at the numbers he was at last year, but you know even halfway between where he is, now and there, you're looking at an entirely different outlook, I think. And it's easy to get wrapped up in that. But at the same time, the lack of consistency from others has also been alarming uh, up front, uh, particularly with guys that um, should be producing more than they are. And so I view the Flames as a cautious buyer. I think they're going to be one of those teams that waits sort of right until the deadline Uh, closes in and and really gets a good sense of the market and tries to do some value shopping.
0: We know that Brad Trulivan likes to call around and and have an idea at least of what is going on. And as a result, the Flames sometimes get tied to pretty much everything that's going on. But as you've kind of had your chats around the league, does it feel like the Flames are maybe less active than they've been in in years prior? And, And that's kind of leading this conservative buyer type of mentality?
2: Well, yeah, less active in the sense that first off, I've heard a lot of people asking the question, should the flames be selling? And I I really don't, I I don't know how to answer it, because I I don't know who they would sell. Yeah, like some of the pieces that they have that you would consider really attractive, like a Tyler Toffoli. If you have any prayer of bouncing back next season with a team that's already cap strapped, and have a better year than you did this year, like why can't the flames be you know, this year's version of the Winnipeg Jets. I don't see any reason why not. But if that's the case, taking someone like Tyler Toffoli out of your lineup for next year and to close out this one, who's vastly exceeding his cap hit, doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. You're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Mm-hmm. So I don't see that part portion of it. Um, are they active on the buyer side? I think they're checking prices. And I think when you evaluate this market, which I'm sure Brad Tree Living and his staff have done, what you'll find is there's probably more forwards available than there are homes for them. And eventually you're gonna get to the point on deadline day where I I view like someone like Max Domi as a prime example from last year, not a game breaker or a game changer, but a nice piece, a nice little acquisition that you can make that the Carolina Hurricanes like quite literally sent in their trade at 259 and, and some number of seconds to bring Domi from Columbus for basically nothing, a sixth round pick. And so I think there's going to be opportunities like that this year Mm -hmm. at this deadline to to try and maybe improve this team on the margins and see if that helps your chances at all to get in.
0: I wonder this year, especially after the two trades and not specifically with the flames, but we saw the trade with Ottawa clearing cap space for not only this year, but next year we saw the, Golden Knights make a move with Shea Weber's contract that kind of looks like a move posturing so they can add some salary with term. Do you feel like this is a deadline where as much as there's going to be the usual UFA movement, could we see some significant players that still have some contracts left moved as well, given some of the recent trades that we've seen?
2: It's, it it is hard to do that now. And I would say that the reason you're seeing those trades are for different reasons. Like like Ottawa is trying to I, I believe they're in a dollars in dollars out scenario and, and not for cap reasons, but because of their pending sale that they can't vastly alter their books. They can't just go and trade for Colton Pareko with a 50 million dollar deal. And he's in the first year of it because that throws off what teams what sorry, what prospective, uh owners are, are trying to purchase. That's not exactly a, a nothing acquisition. The interesting part of the Vegas trade to Arizona is I believe they actually need that trade when you crunch the numbers to have enough salary cap flexibility to trade Jacob Chikorin and maybe someone else and still remain above the NHL's salary cap floor for this season, so the minimum. They're, you know, If they trade Jacob Chikorin, they still have enough space under the minimum, but if they were to trade, you know, someone else from their roster, like a Lawson Krauss or a Nick Schmaltz, or will pick a guy that they don't, they, I don't know that they'd be able to do it. So it was actually a win-win for everyone. Arizona was struggling to move Dyson and Mayo before that. Uh, the three-year one-way deal wasn't working out. Uh, so basically for very little cash expenditure, they take on Weber's contract, they get a pick, and they're in a decent spot now moving forward with the cap floor that gives them flexibility and also at the same time gives Vegas flexibility uh, to potentially be free from some tagging space concerns to then acquire a player if they wanted to re-sign them.
1: NHL Insider Daily Faceoff, Frank Saravoli joining us here. off Thanks to South Trail, Chrysler, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet. 960 the fan um, saw a report last night. Uh, Larry Brooks old Brooksy saying that maybe the door isn't closed for Patrick Kane to go to the Rangers. Are you kind of hearing the same thing?
2: Well, the infatuation has obviously been there from Patrick Kane. You know, we'll see where this goes. I think the Rangers obviously according to, to Brooks Brooks's reporting are, are still very much interested. Where it's going to get fascinating is if Kane says to the Blackhawks, I'm willing to go to the Rangers. What kind of leverage do the Hawks have to pry out from New York what they think is right for a player that has been on an unbelievable hot streak? Seven goals in his last four games, you know, raising the the classic middle finger salute to anyone that's been questioning his hip. And, and frankly, what his game is like at this point in his career and his production this season, the guy's an assassin. He's still got it. And because of that hot run, I, and because of what other players have gone for at this deadline, I think the Hawks are everywhere within their right to ask for a first-round pick plus-plus. But if they're in a spot where they're the only team, the Rangers are the only team that Kane will approve a trade to, It becomes difficult to extract what you want from a leverage factor. So at the end of the day, Chicago is going to have to make a decision. Is what they're getting for Patrick Kane in the end worth it? I have a feeling they can find a a solution that makes everyone happy, but it's probably going to involve some grinding between the two sides unless New York is just ready to step up and get this done.
0: Does this feel anything like when Jerome McGinley was traded from the Flames and there was a couple offers on the table and as much as one may have been better than the other, Jerome had the final say and the Penguins deal is the one that went through?
2: Not really because at least a couple teams were on the table. First off, as of late last night, the Blackhawks don't have any indication at all that Kane, first off, he hasn't provided a team and they don't have any indication at all that he will provide a team. I think up to this point in time, the Blackhawks have kind of been holding their breath saying, is this guy even going to move? Because a lot of the comments and trending conversations seem to be around Kane being willing to stay in Chicago and stay put and, and address where he's heading in the summer. I don't know if his hot streak or the other trades that have gone down or whatever it might be has motivated him to maybe you know, push forward and consider he's been doing his homework behind the scenes, making calls, trying to find out information about the teams that might potentially be involved. But, you know, if it is one and, you know, it seems like right now at this moment it's trending that way. Well, then that sort of changes the conversation and makes it a bit different than a Ginla.
1: Frank, how much of the Blues lurking in Jacob Trickerton and the Timo Meyer sweepstakes?
2: I don't have a sense at all that they're lurking that much on Chikrin. I think the interest that was reported, you know, maybe was out there a little bit uh, and a bit older. Um, I I think the, um, I, I think when you look at Chikrin, the situation has played itself out in First off in an exhausting fashion, like this cannot possibly drag on into the summer. Can it like, please tell me that for everyone's sake involved, Uh, the breathless reporting that's gone on about Chicken for the last calendar year for Chicken himself who wants to get out of town for their fan base that's ready to move on. I hope that they can find a way to rip the Band-Aid off because what's abundantly clear to me is after a calendar year plus out there, this player has been improperly priced. And that's not a knock on the player or the, the team and the GM. You know what? Shoot for the stars. But if you have a house that's worth 600,000 and you put it up for a million, it's going to linger on the market for a while because you need to readjust. And to this point, I don't have any indication that the coyotes have readjusted. And that's what they're going to have to sort through is over these next 8 days until the deadline, are we willing to take less? And what are the options and offers that we have on the table because whatever they had going 13 days ago when they decided to pull chicken from the lineup, it, it clearly isn't on the table right now or else it would have been done.
1: Frank, is this uh trade related reasons sitting guys? It's becoming an issue now, isn't it? Is this something that they're going to discuss in the off season? Cause we know in the NBA, we hate it. Um, load management is a thing. This is becoming a thing and competitive balance wise. I'm sure teams like uh, the wild aren't thrilled that the coyotes aren't dressing Jacob Chikrin against the flames last night. Do you think this is going to be an issue in the summer?
2: I guess, but I mean, maybe it's a topic that comes up at the March GM meetings. First off, teams have the ability to healthy scratch players whenever they want. And second, I don't know that you can ding the coyotes because last night was the first game in the entire month of February that they didn't pick up a point.
1: Hmm.
2: So how much are you really gonna say that they're impacting the competitive balance of the league? I, I don't think you have the data to support your argument. So look, you run your franchise as you see fit. If you've an incredibly valuable asset that has an injury history that you don't want to get hurt again before you move them, that's your prerogative and, and that's your ability. The question is, will this you know, more so be a factor that ends up being grieved from the NHL Players Association that? I don't sense any uh interest in doing so, but if you wanted to make the argument, it could be we're we're paid to be hockey players. Like let's let's play.
1: Okay, so then what would stop a team that wants Connor Bedard to start scratching their best players? Well, nothing. Yeah, like but that but that would be an you issue. You could just say coach's
2: decision, poor play, any one of those things to So
1: so if the Jackets sit lying in Goudreau because they're like, uh, you know, we we you need a little bit of a break when we all know what they're essentially doing.
2: Well, you could just also invent an injury. Sure. I guess. I mean, I'm sure yeah. teams do that all the time. I'm
1: just saying it's not good for the game as a whole because it feels. I like- agree. I'm not combating yeah. you. I just. No, no, I, yeah. I don't.
2: I, I think the people that I've talked to, they kind of shrug. Like some, some have been upset, and in fact, the the only people that I've really talked to that seem to have a problem with it are actually teams that would are considering acquiring some of these players because they're in a spot where they say, hey. This guy hasn't played in three weeks by the time we get him. That's yeah. not good for us. Do we have to ding you now on the return because we now need to take some time in what's already a short runway to get these guys playing and and, and active with our team and and get chemistry in the remaining games of the regular season? We don't really have that available to us.
0: Man, and I think you bring up a great point as far as resting guys. Like the thing with the with like Gaudreau and Line A too is like that team is not winning games with them in the lineup either. Like they're still very right. very much out of it too. But so. it'd be even harder to win games without those guys in the lineup too. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, do you have a, a feel on what we could see from the Colorado Avalanche, Frank? Because they're that team that continues to lurk and the two teams they're chasing both lost yesterday. So I wonder what this team could be doing.
2: I'm with you. I, I don't know. And they're one of the teams I have circled on a piece of paper in front of me to try and find out. I'm told that we'll chat they're, next all week. Over the, yeah, they're all <laughs> over the place in terms of what they're looking at. I think what's really most intriguing is we've all viewed the Avs as a team that really needs a second-line center because they haven't properly replaced Nazem Kadri. But what I'm understanding is their GM in Chris McFarland is actually – ready and willing to take on any impact forward at any position meaning he's not dead set on getting a center that it could be a winger that they go after so i think they're probably approaching this deadline with their injuries in mind as well um kale mccarr is still out with the concussion Uh, they hope to get him back soon landis cog is skating again it's going to be a while before he comes back but this is a team that when healthy is still Very clearly one of the best in the league. And they're I think the best way to explain both their position in the standings and at the deadline is lurking. They've got the potential for some cap space to use it. Uh you would think that a team well within their window is going to be pretty aggressive.
1: Frank Servalli, NHL Insider, Daily Faceoff. Frank, great stuff as usual. Talk to you next week, pal.
2: Have a good one, guys.
1: There's Frank Servalli brought to you by South Trail Chrysler with inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit com. Yeah, I just... Again, I, I don't like the whole trade-related reasons. I get you're protecting an asset, and I get it's all gone, of
0: that. It's gone on for too long. Yeah, that's right? what I mean. Like, like if you're going to do it, then... then Make the know. deal. Yeah. Because like, I totally agree with Frank and what he's hearing from other but, teams. Like, if I'm going to get this guy, I want him playing games. Yeah. And Jacob Chicken returned to practice. So,
1: so so, the Habs all of a sudden sent Nick Suzuki for uh, tank-related reasons. Then what does the league say?
0: Well, that, I think that's different. I think that's a different right. bag of words. But it's the organization's prerogative to do that or not. I think that the Players Association would have a problem with that. More so than the league having a problem with that. The Players Association would say, dude, what are you doing? My guy's a superstar and you're keeping him out of the lineup? He, I got. He's we trying to sell lose. jerseys. Yeah, he's trying to get his next We're contract. We're here to lose to get Connor Bedard. No, that would create an issue. This does not create an issue. It's just a lot of gray area, which I don't like. I don't. Th- I think you're comparing apples and oranges when you're talking about sitting out mm. star players and sitting out, you know, good players who are out for trade related reasons, like. And it depends on what you're talking about. Like, are you talking about Nick Suzuki missing, like, half a season? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about him missing a couple of games like, here and there? Just just like, qu- just
1: really quickly, like, it always reminds me of, like, the fans who spend in the NBA to go watch LeBron James play in oh, that. New Orleans for one, one time a year, and he doesn't play because it's, you know, they're just resting him. That's frustrating. Like, the Chicago Blackhawks, like, you've seen enough from Patrick Kane. He probably shouldn't be playing now then. If you want to follow that suit.
0: But then again, like Frank said, it's the prerogative and yeah. the Blackhawks are doing good by Patrick Kane. And, and I think the other thing with Patrick Kane here too, is he has this lingering issue and the Hawks are trying to show teams. No, it's good. He's yeah. fine. Like if they sit him out, then teams are going, how banged up is this guy? And I think that's even something that teams mm. are wondering about Jacob Chikrin. Like, is there something here that we might be missing? Uh, Alex Ding, please.
1: A prerogative was the third word Uh, Patrick Dumont texted me this morning. Banger. So uh, the three words today were prerogative, impromptu, and scrutinize. Really proud of you. Welcome back. And it's not even 730. Welcome back. Bingo. Bango. Uh, Sam Cosentino, NHL draft analyst, uh, NHL on Sportsnet straight ahead. And we're also taking your text (laughs) messages. We'll do that in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, The Masters sending out a Taste of the Masters hosting kit for $175.00. What would the Flames send out? Taste of the Flames hosting kit. There's some really good ones out there. 960, 960. Texty McTexterson, our Sportsnet 960, the fan. Text rooting robot. We'll do that in the 8 o'clock hour. Lots to come. Big show. Wrestling can sports Sportsnet 960, the fan.
0: Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show.
1: It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The top of the hour, Darren Millard. It's like a Sportsnet reunion today on the show.
0: Bringing everyone back.
1: Yeah. at and Sportsnet covers the Golden Knights. He'll join us. Flames and Golden Knights tonight after Calgary's big 6-3 win. The franchise, Eric Francis will join us at 830. Uh, still taking your text messages. We'll do that in the 8 o'clock hour. The Masters sent a note yesterday. You can get a taste of the Masters hosting kit for $175. bucks. we are asking you, if the Flames sent out something similar, taste of the Flames hosting kit, what would be included in said kit? 960-960, name and location. But joining us right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, our man Sam Cosentino, sports and NHL and draft analyst. Sammy Cos, how are you?
3: Yeah, doing well. How's it going over there?
1: Good. I, I I don't know. Have you been to the Masters or no?
3: I have 2014 Bubba's Second Wind. Oh. Tremendous.
1: Um, did you Let's have, go Range Goats. Did you have, yeah, the Range My son. Um, <laughs> did you have any of the sandwiches there?
3: The cheese pimento?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you can yeah. get that now. Well, you can't because you're in Canada. But you can get that delivered now. That's what the Masters is doing.
3: And why wouldn't they?
1: Yeah, exactly. Because they'll
3: charge you three bucks on site and probably seventy-five to have it delivered.
1: One hundred and seventy-five. But it serves twelve to fourteen guests, so you get a lot of stuff from Augusta National. Um, Sammy, cause a
3: few people to call me and I'll ship a, a, out of
1: my home here. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Make your own pimento <laughs> cheese. Um, that game last night for the Calgary Flames when they were down three-one. I, I can't remember a game where a team didn't deserve a two-goal lead that the Coyotes last night
3: up 3-1. That was crazy. I mean, what were the shots on goal? I think nine shots the Coyotes had with their three goals. And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, this is not going to be a flame stinker, is it? Down 3-1, out shoot them by a total of probably, at that point, it was 2-1 to shots. I think it ended up about 4-1. to and you're thinking, oh, how can this, how can this possibly happen? But you know what? Good stick to itiveness, um, and uh, nice to see uh, my old guy that I used to call a lot of junior games with Salcher get on the board, the goal and assist. That was nice. And uh, I don't know, I, I was impressed with the, with the Lucich dewar line with Lewis. That that is, and if that's not a Daryl Sutter line, I don't know what is.
0: You talk about uh, the two of the young guys there, like Walker Dewar. We saw his speed burned around. Goss, Bear was able to bury the goal on the back end. Peltier gets a couple of points as well. How much do you think Adam, the youth has helped out this group?
3: It's probably energized the group a little bit, but more importantly, they're they're you know, they're there for a reason. I mean, Dewar's a, he's a big body guy who skates well. And anytime you can have that synergy with the coach, because that's exactly what the coach likes. Mm-hmm. That's one less guy on the roster that you have to worry about being, you know, maybe a malcontent or, or uh, you know, not not performing to the level expected. And I think with Pelche, all he needed is a chance. He's so ridiculously smart. When you see some of the plays that he makes on a normal basis, he just needs a chance to play regular minutes. And I really don't care how big he is. Um, you know, we've seen smaller guys have success in the National Hockey League for a long time now. Pelche is going to be no different. Is he going to be your... Your top line guy, probably not, but I think they will be able to float comfortably between your middle six. And uh, obviously, with what he's done in the power play here, uh, going back to last night, he's, he's definitely a fixture on the, on the second power play unit.
1: Sammy, how, tough it, how tougher is it for young players to perform under Daryl Sutter? Would they know the amount of pressure and maybe limited opportunities they have?
3: It's, it's extremely difficult. And the Sutters will tell you that their lives were, were difficult as well and farming and all that kind of stuff. And that's the path that, that Daryl prefers you to take. But more importantly than that, it's, it's exponentially more difficult for the smaller guys, for the Dustin Wolfs of the world, for the Matthew Phillips of the world, for the Jacob Pelches of the world, Connor Zeri to a certain extent. It's ex- exponentially more difficult for those guys. And I'm not saying that all are ready and all should be regulars in the National Hockey League. But I'm sort of liking the pass that Pelche's on now. He's got that inner drive about him that I think he's going to be a guy that's going to make it very difficult for Daryl to take out of the lineup, given that he plays regular minutes, you know, that, that 10 to 12-minute range, maybe even a bit more than that. He's that smart, and I think he's that gift a the player.
1: Um, Sammy, I know we want to talk about the Flames, but you mentioned his name. <laughs> what do you think the interest is out there for a guy like Matthew Phillips as a trade chip for the Calgary Flames? Because I feel like... Barring some big-time injuries on this team, he's not going to be playing with the big club uh, the rest of the season here with what Pelchier and Dewar are, are doing. Is there interest, do you think, around the league for a guy who scores at just an amazing clip in the American Hockey League?
3: I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you, George. I, I think if a team's looking at him, they're probably looking at him to do what he's doing with Calgary right now and be a, a kind of a, a veteran guy who produces points at the American Hockey League level. So when I look at the Calgary Flames, that's the guy that you know best. You've grown up with him, you've drafted him, you've spent all this time and money developing the player. He's best suited in my opinion to be with the Calgary Flames. Now, again, is he going to go play in your top 6? Probably not, but I think he can be an effective guy that bounces around in your in your bottom 6. And when you have the ability to, you know, to add a little bit of offense from that side of the of the ledger from your bottom 6 side of the ledger, you're exponentially more dangerous and I think when you look at teams that have won the Stanley Cup, and I think about the, you know, the Ross Coltons of the world, the Sorelli's of the world, the Tampa Bay, um, you know, I think about Patrick Maroon and the run he had with, with St. Louis before he went to Tampa Bay. Like, it's almost a necessity to be able to have a little bit of that in your in your bottom six. So, again, you know, is it Phillip's time right now? I don't know. Like, he, I think he's done enough to, to prove himself at the American Hockey League level. I just don't know how much of an asset he is in terms of of trade i will say this though if you're brad tree living you're probably thinking well maybe this guy is going to have a better opportunity elsewhere and i might trade him to an organization that might have less depth that would give him more nhl opportunities as a way to thank him for what he's done for the organization
0: Tyler Toffoli had a goal and an assist yesterday. He also hit a crossbar that ended up with a goal in the Arizona Coyotes, Ned. Um, Just a thought of what we're seeing from him. As uh, George has called him, the most consistent winger on the Flames all season long, and we're certainly seeing that with the production of late.
3: Yeah, no question. That's the one thing he's been able to do, and this dates back to his days playing for the Ottawa 67s in junior. His ability to shoot and release the puck and shoot it with accuracy has always been the hallmark of his game. And I remember back you know, around the time that he was being drafted, is he going to be able to pace the game? Um, You know, is he going to be able to score at the next level? I think he's proven that and proven that enough over the course of his time with a couple of uh, Stanley Cup rings. But again, I I always like to think about why a player is having success. You think about the synergy and the expectations from the coaches, Daryl wouldn't have been any too happy to see him just throw his head back and be late on the back check after hitting that crossbar but Tyler's the type of guy that, that realizes what the expectations were, the mistake he made, and he made up for it. So having um, the ability to uh, know what's expected of you and to perform on a regular basis as Tyler has is all the credit in, in the world to him. And quite frankly, I don't know where the Flames would be without him this year. Probably four, five, six, eight points further back than what they are right now.
0: So we've seen some shifting around on the fourth line with the Flames, but how important do you think it is for this group to finally have three kind of set lines that have been able to roll for the last couple of weeks and get a little bit of continuity? We've seen the success from the one line, we've seen the success with Toffoli playing with Lindholm, and now it feels like even that Cadre Huberdeau Pelche combo is starting to come along.
3: Yeah, I'd like. I think those guys can be more effective, and I think Pelche, given some some time there, is going to help make them more effective and, 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 you know, create some cohesion within that line. Those are three really gifted players that should be, uh, you know, a force every night, regardless of what the competition is. You know, Cadre's got that grit to him and bite to him and his skill probably has been the thing that's been underrated in his game up until last year when he had that, you know, 90 point season with the Colorado and won the cup. And Hubert O to me, just, he just hasn't found his, his stride yet. He's way too good of a player to be, Uh, you know where he is point production wise Uh, and I think the adjustment for Johnny has probably taken a lot longer than than probably Tree and and Daryl and even Johnny himself uh, would have expected but there's still time left in the season to kind of get the the ship righted and I think playing with those two line mates should uh, should help him. and uh, I'm looking forward to see what that line can produce and again like when I look at the anchors, and I'm talking about the the Louis Lucic uh, Doer line, all big, all heavy, enough skill to be able to put it in the back of the net like that. I don't know if there's going to be many fourth lines in the National Hockey League that can deal with that, and that's huge because again, you know, you're talking about what the coach's expectations are, how he wants to play. That line does all of the things. That are expected, and that's one less line Daryl has to worry, worry about putting out there in any situation.
1: Sportsnet NHL and draft analyst Sam Cosentino joining us the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline big show Russ and Rose Sportsnet nine sixty the fan. I know it's a really short flight from Arizona to um, Las Vegas. By the way, you know the Leafs flew from Buffalo to Toronto in, in their game on uh, a couple nights ago. Isn't that insane, Sammy? They flew for eighteen minutes. Like you want it? Yeah. Like why? Take the bus. Like be a little more environmentally thing, responsible.
3: What's that? Yeah, nice environmentally responsible. I like that. It's yeah. the same team, though. That what? Yeah. Spent a hundred grand to travel thirty minutes earlier after the after the break. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Eighteen minute flight from Toronto to Buffalo, which is absolutely absurd. Um, it's a short jump from Arizona to Las Vegas uh, for tonight's game. Does Dan Vladar get the back to back start after essentially not facing any rubber last night?
3: Uh, great question. I, I think, I think not. I think not. I think you got to go back to Markstrom and see if Markstrom can rise to the challenge of playing, the, you know, the top team in, in the division and, and, you know, try and try and get him going and get him going on a consistent basis. I just don't see like, regardless of how much you've, you've played, you're still the mental acuity it takes might be even more stressful when you're facing uh, intermittent and a fewer shot, fewer shots than normal. Uh, And so, you know, you have to keep in mind the the kind of the mental fatigue as well, but also give Markstrom a a chance to go out and and get a win and prove that he should be the guy that takes the net back.
0: Wanted to ask you as well, uh, away from the Flames, put on your draft hat for a moment here, Sammy, but I wanted to ask you about... uh, Zach Benson, saw him yesterday with the Winnipeg Ice, came into the Saddle Dome, had a goal and three assists. The goal he scored is ridiculous. He's got his head up the whole way, looking off the defenseman, looking off the goaltender, and then goes bar down, and then he had three assists as well. Just a thought on this young man who's ranked seventh amongst uh, NHL Central Scouting's midterm rankings for North American skaters.
3: Yeah, I, I absolutely love him. I had him at six in my rankings that came out last week um and you know some people are going to question the size and is the skating you know perfect No, but man this guy I guess the best compliment I can give him is that he's a hockey player like he's in it he knows what's going on in the National Hockey League you could ask him about uh, other draft eligibles across all three uh CHL leagues you can ask him about what's going on in the Western Hockey League he knows what's up he's been uh, engulfed in it his entire life and pretty cool story. Like his family owned some uh, amusement rides and they used to travel from town to town in the summer, but before they'd go anywhere, his parents would do their due diligence and throw him in a hockey camp in the middle of Saskatoon or the middle of Saskatchewan or the middle of Manitoba or whatever the family amusement parks were being set up. So, you know, he's, he's traveled around a little bit. He's been exposed to a lot of different teachings. Um, But the way he processes the game is amazing. He's not afraid to go to dirty areas. Like I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of this guy. And to be perfectly honest with you, like, depending on what happens with Matt vay Mitchkoff, um, it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up in the in the top five. Like, I'm I'm a huge Benson fan.
1: Um, Sammy, Connor Bedard just continues to just light up the Western Hockey League. Um, is there any chance the team that wins the lottery here? packages, you know, if the team has three, four first-round picks, is there any chance whoever wins the lottery they're getting off Bedard?
3: Zero chance that's happening, right? I, I would say zero chance. I would say zero chance. Like, th- there's like we're talking like an
1: that, Eric Lindros type of deal that potentially a team could put together. Like that wouldn't even happen, right?
3: I mean, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, but here's what I look at. Doug Armstrong if he doesn't do anything here and he ends up going to the you know to the draft with with three first round picks what where are they and what do they meet um, and one that I just been thinking about in my head that would be pretty funny it will never happen please this is not a, a speculative thing this is only kind of my imagination running wild and thinking well what if Toronto was worried about signing Austin Matthews with and Arizona won the draft lottery and they oh, had the first overall. Oh, day. Would you trade Matthews for Bedard, <laughs> and would Chickren be part of it? Like I, I'm thinking about all these crazy things, and I think our minds tend to run wild when we get near trade deadline time. But uh, I, I I just can't see Connor Bedard being given up by anybody. Like six points again last night. He's he's, he's a cheat code. And you know, like what's really cool about about Connor is I I've looked. I think through 120 games in his Western Hockey League career, he has 115 goals. It is not inconceivable that he finishes his WHL career with a goal per game. Think about that for a second.
1: Now you have me thinking about Austin Matthews for Connor Bedard, <laughs> and how much more sense that makes for the Leafs because they say have cap flexibility. And then you have Bedard on his rookie deal, and then you can go out there and address the blue line maybe oh, with a chikrin. Settle down,
0: settle down. Again, but again, Come that's on, just Ros- settle-
1: yeah. Jump on board the crazy okay, trade. Yeah, jump <laughs> on
0: board. <laughs> Lots of room. Got to get some of the stuff from the people hanging out on the streets out here before I do go down that yeah, road. Jump on, jump on board. Uh, Sam Cosentino,
1: sports Sportsnet <laughs> NHL and Draft Analyst on the Al pizza You guys just want to sports bar guest talk. Clip
0: that in the back and send that to Toronto. Yeah, no, it'd be uh, great. Sam Cosentino hearing that Austin Matthews for the first overall pick is a thing.
3: That'd be that'd be really nice of you guys to clip it where I said this is only yeah. my imagination. Yeah. you and get radioed. Radio. Yeah, no, we
1: won't radio you. We won't do that Thanks. to you. Uh, Sammy, great stuff as usual. We'll talk soon, pal.
3: Okay, guys, take care.
1: There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, using the same secret recipe since 1975. done in at 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Audi's can fill. Up. They won't fill seats yeah, yeah. with Connor Bedard, uh, but they
0: might fill seats with Austin Matthews. They'll fill seats with Connor Bedard. What no, they talking? won't. Again, dude, I... he's selling out every barn in the WHL. Yeah, because it's Canada.
1: Like, like I, that. That's the one thing that always makes me laugh. Do you think people in the states care about Connor? He Bedard? sold out
0: barns in every building in yeah. the U.S. division. In Seattle, in Portland, in Everett, in Spokane. If he goes to
1: Arizona, Columbus, he's essentially not going to move the needle that much. He really isn't. He's not because it's just those aren't hockey markets. They never will be. What? They'll get what? 500 more seasons tickets? A thousand? Maybe. They won't.
0: This isn't Lafreniere. This isn't Nolan Patrick. This is a significant player. Don't get me wrong. There's like, probably and, better and landing I, spots for and, him. And that's but, what I love,
1: too. It's like, oh, I, I love the conspiracy. Oh, the NHL will love Bedard to go to Arizona to help them make money. How much more money are they going to make with
0: Connor Bedard? I, I don't care about that. Yeah, I but, just, but I mean, just the viability
1: of franchises to have a guy like that. And It doesn't matter. Please go to, like, a relevant team. Please, the Hawks or the Habs, win the draft lottery or even the Flyers. Like, please go to one of those teams and please don't go to Arizona. Please don't go to Columbus please don't go to a bottom feeder like that because he's just going to get lost in the shuffle. He's going to be an all-star. He's going to be a superstar. He's going to play for those crap franchises for the next eight years. But if he's smart and his representation should look at the Austin Matthews deal and sign a five-year deal instead of an eight-year deal like Connor McDavid did, which I'm sure he's kicking himself about right now, even today.
0: Probably, I guess. He could have had more money and hit the open market, but I don't know. Yeah. Connor seems to enjoy Edmonton for whatever reason. Sure.
1: Seems to. Sure. Like, you just look at, like, Anaheim. Please don't go to Anaheim. Like, they're okay market. They want a Stanley Cup. I get that. But don't go to
0: Anaheim. I that don't wouldn't know. be good. Like, for me, I'm like, I, I think Anaheim would be neat just because I like their roster and I would like to watch him on the team. And sure. frankly, I don't really but if care you're a Flames what fan, team is doing the you money. You don't want
1: him to play with the Ducks. You don't want, you want that guy coming here and playing the Flames many
0: times a year. No, there's two places I certainly don't want him to go. Uh, one would be Columbus for Vancouver's uh, the no other? other yes The okay. other one would be Vancouver again Chicago the Montreal. two corners in Western Canada would be an absolute yeah. be nightmare
1: Chicago Montreal, Philadelphia jump on board
0: yeah. Montreal did you say that who did you yeah, say yeah, Montreal. Chicago Montreal, and Chicago it'd be great in for in the
1: it'd be great for the NHL if he went to Montreal
0: and then they would just like deteriorate him to nothing and then
1: yeah because they ruin young players yeah because that 's what they do. Well, Nick Suzuki's fine. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, well, new management, different, different, different direction of that franchise. Uh, straight ahead, um, Darren Millard. But first, uh, it's it's a Thursday stable here. We're moving Brody on the beat till tomorrow. Mm. And then I, uh, Pat, Patrick Dumas and I got to sing tomorrow, so we'll do that tomorrow.
0: Yeah, you do.
1: But right now, um, I think my f- my second favorite part of the week is when you do the snow show. Such a- do we got? Do we got? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Rock music, read snow stuff. It's the Snow Show. It's brought to you by Ski West with Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff. Ski West has you covered to make this an epic season. Visit their Kensington or airport location today or head to skiwest.ca and we finally have fresh snow to talk about. Listen, getting to the mountains isn't going to be the easiest task this weekend, but uh, it'll probably be worth it. Castle Mountain, uh, half inch of snow in the last 24 hours. They've only got about half their trails open due to some of the snowfall we've been seeing lately. Five of six lifts open as well. And as usual, a rowdy weekend out at Castle. Live music in the T-Bar pub Friday night with Cody Hall playing. They've got the IFSA Junior 2 Regional on Saturday and Sunday. They've got their scavenger hunt Sunday and, of course, trivia night. Do you know what the theme is this week, George? Uh, Star Trek. Harry Potter. Oh, okay. How would you do with Harry Potter trivia? Not very good. Okay, good to know. Elsewhere, Lake Louise, half inch of snow. They've got a nice packed powder base of 44 inches. They've got 101 of 164 trails open in all 11 lifts and a bunch of great events. It's the Ladies Shred Day, February the 25th. And they have also got the Heavy Metal Rail Jam. Coming up on the 26th, also seeing a note here on the Lake Louise website. Due to the possible cold weather, there might be a lift delay. They're offering full-day tickets at half-day prices at their ticket windows only, plus free hot chocolate, coffee, and tea in the Whiskey Jack Cafe to help keep you warm. At Marmot Basin, seven inches of snow in the last 24 hours. They've got all of their trails open and all of their lifts open. Norquoise had a half inch of snow as well. They've got the Masters Racing, the Beer League Series continuing on the Saturday here this weekend. Also a couple of Stay and a Apres cocktail and spirit tasting with Park Distillery on Saturday night. And a cocktails by Hendo on Sunday that goes at the Lone Pine Pub At Nikiska, they've had a half inch of snow as well. 62 of 75 trails are open and five of their six lifts are open. And we'll end here with Sunshine Village. They've got a 60-inch powder base depth. 111 of their 145 trails are open and all 11 of their lifts are open. They've also got a wildlife distillery sampling Going tomorrow, that's going to be at Burger Co. at the Centennial Lodge from 11.30 to 2.30 p.m. And if you happen to be staying at the Sunshine Mountain Lodge, Scotch and Bubbles goes on Saturday. So look into that as well. That's the Snow Show. It's brought to you by Ski West. With Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff, Ski West has you covered. To make this an epic season, visit their Kensington or Airport location today or head to skiwest.ca.
1: Darren Millard, Eric Francis, and uh, the Taste of the Flames hosting kit. What would be in it? All straight ahead. Hour number three, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.